This episode of Bullshit Breakaway is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractured shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including from companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1, and with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing or ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting. Join the 10 million users of Robinhood. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to blueshirts.robinhood.com. That's right, blueshirts.robinhood.com. That's where you get your free stock. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice. You guys know that. A recommendation or solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield, APY, and uninvested cash is a paid program by program banks and a variable. Robinhood Financial is Robinhood Financial is not a bank. It's not a bank. Fun show today. 3-3-3 hockey. Got a lot of uh, interesting week for the Rangers. Let's go to little Mark Messier and go from there, huh? Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of The Athletic, and I'm here with my co-host, also of The Athletic, Greg Kaplan. Gregory, say hello. Now, before we did our interview, and I'll just get this right off the bat, we talked with EJ Johnson of Three Ice Hockey today. Fantastic interview, fantastic guy. Such a awesome and weird road he's taken to get to this point. Uh, we go into all of that. But before we started talking to him, you and I were talking, what's worse? The people who vote for one person or two people in Hall of Fame voting for baseball? It's very close. They're both terrible, but I can I, see the case I think, for two. I think the one, I think the one is worse. I really do. I really do think the one is worse. Because at least someone voted for Larry. Welcome to Boosters Breakaway, uh, number one Rangers podcast. Oh, keep going. Okay, we're, we're right. We? So you, uh, it's it's weird. There are more than two. I, I think when I did this exercise, I found nine Hall of Famers on this year's ballot, uh, and you could make a case for at least three others. But to vote for one is basically just to not. It's basically casting an, a, an empty ballot, right? Pretty like much, like, you're, you're voting for Derek Jeter, who's going to get in with 100% of the votes. So, that's all you're doing. Like, why why do you even have a vote if that's what you're doing? It doesn't make sense. It's, it, it doesn't acknowledge what the... The Hall of Fame is to recognize the history of the game. I don't give a shit how convoluted and complicated that history is. That's what it's meant to do. You don't have to like the guys you're voting for. Uh, you're, it's, basically, it's, that's how... It's to tell a story. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Speaking of telling a story... I did a deep dive on Roger Clemens today because I was having a talk with a, a mutual friend of ours about mm-hmm. how I thought it was weird people would vote for Barry Bonds and not Roger Clemens. Do you remember that in 2008, a report came out that alleged Roger Clemens slept with a 15-year-old country music star? Oh, we are getting way off topic. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't believe it. And then I couldn't believe She killed herself in 2013. Okay, anyway, New York Rangers. <laughs> Like, I, I went down a rabbit hole today at work that I was like, what is this? This is very Kevin Spacey. Want... Very, very Kevin Spacey. Unbelievable. Google all of those so... things and come back to us. How, how is that something we don't talk about every day, though? Uh, it's Roger Clemens. I feel like 2020 and 2019, where there's so much weird stuff happening all the time that we just kind of let stuff go for no reason. But anyway. This happened, like, 
There, none of this was happening in 2008. Why wasn't that like a principal point of conversation we were having 12 years ago? Like very limited Twitter oh, Twitter interaction back then, I guess. I'm not oh, sure. God, I, I what a rabbit hole. I oh. anyway, the Rangers. Yeah, I'm like totally. That happened anyway. Yeah, Google it. Oh <laughs> is it allegedly or? Okay, it, no, it's, let's not do this. Let's not. Well, do this. it's. I mean, it's her story, and Clemens admits that she was like a close personal friend, but that they never had a sexual oh, relationship. Okay. okay. Anyway, the interview with EJ later is phenomenal. He is an absolute professional, and I cannot wait to watch three three hockey. But for now, the New York Rangers are they a playoff team, Gregory? And does it matter? Because let's let's recap the last week. It's very easy to do this. Sure. Uh, they played the Islanders twice. In the first game, um, they demoralized them. Artemi Panarin did something called absolutely laying down the hammer and putting up five points. Then – That feels so long ago. I know. But we were recording before it, so we have to discuss it a little bit. Artemi came out, and uh, I, our, our good friend, uh, Mr. Duffy, for Gotham Sports – I believe he's still at Gotham. Is that correct? Uh, Mr. Duffy posted uh, the first goal of the Islanders and said, after this goal, Artemi uh, reconsidered signing with the New York Rangers. Then he considered putting up five points and absolutely did. And Duffy got flamed. I'm sorry, Duffy. We'll have him on the podcast sometime soon. And then the next game, which you can't ask for more, back in the barn, uh, was absolutely rocking. For for anything, you could say this. The Nassau Coliseum is a great atmosphere for Rangers-Islander games. That's the only nice thing I can really say about Nassau Coliseum. Now, the Rangers ended up winning 3-2 against the Islanders as Chris Kreider doesn't hurt his knee but comes off the comes over the boards and scores. Then they play a tight game against the Blue Jackets and in a defensive lapse in a bad shift change lose 2-1. But still a, a, a game that felt like we were watching an entirely different team because the defense was questionably good the entire night. With all that said, we've played very well over the past two weeks. A lot of people are talking about the, the second wild card. Can you and I discuss why that's probably not going to happen? Uh, yes, but I, I think there's something we should clear up before we really get too far into the weeds here. We're not saying we hope the New York Rangers don't make the playoffs. Obviously, there are benefits for why the Rangers should or should not. All of it makes sense. It's We're not actively rooting against the New York Rangers. We I don't think you or I, on a nightly basis go into every game hoping for the New York Rangers to lose. That may have been something we were maybe not even secretly, but we saw the value of the Rangers losing games last year. So it was convenient that they simply weren't good. This year, I'd say there's less value in losing games from a... Obviously, there's value in losing because it's a very deep draft class with star players at the top where the New York Rangers would be lucky to get them. But... The New York Rangers are far enough in their rebuild now where they don't necessarily need to lose 50 games this year in order to be successful next year or to add a successful player to what is already an incredibly deep prospect pool. So we're not rooting for the Rangers to lose. However, yesterday's game to me felt like a perfect example of what I think this team is. This team is taking the final steps of a rebuild. It's still a very young team, still learning how to play together, still trying to figure out which pieces should be here for the long haul versus which pieces either don't fit what the Rangers are trying to do or simply aren't good enough to help this team become a playoff team in the very near future. You look at a game last night, obviously it's very frustrating to lose that game, especially with how it ended. But it's hard for me to be 
upset about it because, quite honestly, the New York Rangers still, as currently constructed, as currently, even as currently playing, they're just not good enough to make the playoffs. Not this year. If they were in the, other if they were in the Pacific, they might be make, making the playoffs, but they're not. Sure. They're in the Metro, sure. which is loaded. Like there's the teams above them right now are just good. I know the Blue Jackets are had a lot of injuries, and there was a mysterious backup goalie who I can't say his name as that's a surprise to nobody, uh, but who absolutely owned the Rangers last night. But I mean, this the the Penguins, Capitals. I mean, I know we beat the Islanders twice, but they're still a really good team. And by the way, the Hurricanes are just heating up now. I know they just lost Dougie Hamilton, but they're still a great team too. And the Flyers have beaten a lot of great teams recently. So the only team that you could say is strictly worse than the Rangers and the Metro are the Devils, and that's it. That is it. So you have to you have to beat out like three of those teams, and that's just not happening. Um, yeah, and it's also important to remember that in order for the Rangers to get to this point in the season, right, where they are playing sound hockey, where it looks like they've finally figured some things out defensively. It, it seems like a few players have found a role that works for them, specifically the Brett Howdens of the world. In fact, everyone, Howden, Heedle, and Kako, all members on that line. Um, they look a lot Prider, more comfortable, for sure. Prider and Mika are, are, are buzzing, and even, I mean, I, I don't want to rehash what another Pavel Buchnevich podcast, I'm not here to do it. Nope. But Kreider, Zabinijad, Buchnevich has been playing incredibly well together before last night um Panarin has a true partnership with Strom and Faust it the Rangers figured out their top nine which is why we haven't seen up until today David Quinn throwing those lines in a blender on a daily basis which is something we saw day in and day out earlier this season uh it took a very long time for the Rangers to get here and it's it's great that they're here but the fact that it took them that long is why they're not going to make the playoffs but the Rangers also needed this time. They needed this time to figure out what was working and to try to make sure it will work into the future. If the New York Rangers finish 9th, 10th, 11th in the East, that's a successful season in my mind because we, we've seen growth. We've seen things that work. We've learned important lessons about players that are going to play a significant role for the New York Rangers next year. Where I have a problem is the portion of the fan base that's saying, they need to add at the deadline, or even worse, they need to extend Chris Kreider. That's where we've gone too far, in my mind. Yeah, the extending Chris Kreider is the too far. And we discussed this on the BSBOT last week on The Athletic, and you can sign up right now at theathletic.com slash BSB. Uh, lowercase, by the way, and sign up for 40% off. There you go. That was a nice plug. Natural. The If you made the point, and I think this is a great point, that I haven't really read many other places, if any. And there's sometimes when you do this, it just makes too much sense. You're really choosing between signing Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. Because I if- can't, I can't, I can't take credit for this one. I, I forget where I read it first. I wish I remembered where I read it first. It may have been banter, um, an article, either banter, or an article by our dear good friend and coworker Shana Goldman on the Athletic, talking about how, and, and didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'll just, no, I'll just blurt out the point I made there. Um, we're not talking about the Rangers extending Chris Kreider versus signing a free agent of equal value. That that's, that's not the conversation we're having. It's who would you, it's a Chris Kreider extension either nullifies or makes it nearly impossible for the New York Rangers to extend because of Benajet. And none of us, if you think about it in those terms would say that Chris Kreider is more valuable to the New York Rangers over the next six years than Mika Zibanejad. Because you'd, you'd be lying if you thought that way. Oh, he's the... Outside of Artemi Panarin and possibly Igor, 
I would say he's number three on the most important list. Uh, he's probably number two. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 as much as I love Igor and as, as well as he's played in his first couple starts here, it, without Zibanejad, the New York Rangers are a lost organization. They're just not going anywhere. And that's why, and unfortunately, listen, you have a cap crunch. I know you, there's some people on, uh, on the onlines that will tell you that there's not much of a cap crunch, but we're paying like $7 million or to, to like $12 million next year of just mostly dead money. I mean, Mark Stahl plus Chattenkirk plus uh, if Brandon Smith is still here, who knows? There's, there's a lot to go around. And you don't know how much you're going to be paying Strom, Tony D'Angelo are due for a raise. There's a lot of money aspects in the future. And you want to make sure that you could sign because of Bittajad, who's due for a significant raise, by the way, for multiple years. So as much as I love Chris Kreider, the way he's been playing and the hot streak he is on currently, and honestly, I think he's somewhat underrated at some points. It's just not going to work out, and he is to be traded. I know that Andrew Friedman on 31 Thoughts said that the Raiders were discussing or have touched base El- with Chris El- Ryder. Elliot, I don't know who Andrew Friedman is. Did I write is. Is I, Oh, it's a, I said Andrew? You said Andrew. It's Elliot Friedman. Who's Andrew? Is Andrew Friedman in our fantasy football league? That's it. Um, no. Really? That's Mark. Is his brother named Andrew? Never mind. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is a fucking classic for you, by the way. Great podcast. It's not that you're saying – you're saying – you're not butchering your name. You're just making people up now, which is my favorite part. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, Elliot said they, they were talking to Chris Kreider about extending him, and I just don't believe – they probably were no, like, they, hey. We're not, we're not falling for it. It's that simple. The, these stories came out last year where the New York Rangers all of a sudden were reengaging Kevin Hayes' agent about an extension. We're like, this, like this seven story days comes before the trade deadline, yeah. Yeah, this story comes out to get teams that want to trade for Chris Kreider feeling like, wait, wait a fucking second. Are they not going to trade this guy? If they're not, I got to offer a little bit more to get the Rangers to trade this guy. This is – this is classic Posturing. New York Rangers. This is their MO. This is what they do. It's they just... want they they spread doubt through the media by saying this story. But if the great thing is the NHL and no GM is smart enough to sniff this out, but we've done this dance two straight years. We did it with Zuccarello and Hayes, where the Rangers come out like, ah, we're thinking about keeping them, maybe. Maybe that maybe they'll stay. Nope, they get traded. Year before that, Rick Nash. We'll give him a little bit longer of leash. Nope, he gone too. This is this is just the Jeff Gordon playbook. We're we're at we're at we're at third base right now. This and, is it, and this is the final time. I don't think this. There, I don't think there will be another sell off in the near future. This will be the last. I don't even think. I honestly don't even think it'll be a sell off this year. And, and this is a point I wanted to talk to you a little bit. About. I guess I, what I mind, mean by sell off is Chris Kreider is a, a core piece of an old Ranger team that is aging. The, the, the new age curve is coming up now, and we won't be trading else, anyone else really outside of Kreider. That'll be the last I, ex- I expect two guys – I expect the Rangers to make two trades this deadline. I could see three, but I'm expecting two. One of them's Chris Kreider. One of them, Alex Georgiev, because New York Rangers are going to – they're at an impasse with this three-goalie thing, and they got to figure it out. I expect those two guys to get dealt. I don't – the Rangers aren't going to trade Tony D'Angelo in my mind, mostly nope. because there's just no – there's no need to at this point in the year. He's played well enough that his value is going to be sky high come draft day, and you'll have 10 times more suitors on draft night than you will at the trade deadline. Or if you don't uh, want to trade him, there's a place for him on this team if he switches uh, defensive sides. That's it. Right, but I, I'm not too worried about it. The Rangers' decision they'll make with Tony D'Angelo will come in June. It's not going to come this year. Same goes for Ryan Strom, though, again, I think – if I had to choose between Strom and D'Angelo, the craziest part 
is if you asked me this question before the season started, I would have easily said D'Angelo. You asked me this question today, January 20th, 2020. It is Ryan Strom, and it's not even close, even with last night's ultimate brain fart. I still think I'd take Tony, actually. I'd, okay, who's playing Who's playing third line or second line center for the New York Rangers if you take Ryan Strom off this team? Yeah, I, I, doing it? I understand that. I mean, that would be the case. It would have to be Brett Howden currently because that's really that's all that's on the roster. But I'm hoping that I think keeping Tony D'Angelo in the long term is a good thing. I think he's become a better defender. I think he's one of the most we've, offensive. But we've, we've been over this. Of the two, you know who's more replaceable. Who's due more to, replaceable? Due to the farm system and because we have no center depth in the farm system. It is Tony. That is correct. Yeah, but it's it's not just in the farm system. It's look at the Rangers roster. If Ryan Strom goes down with an injury tomorrow, how do the Rangers replace him? It's not going to be pretty. If Tony D'Angelo goes down with an injury tomorrow, how do the Rangers replace him? They call up Rykov. Uh, makes perfect sense. Yep. They call up Rykov. They call, or up, Hayek. They, they call up Keener Rykov where they move down Brandon Smith. That's all the Rangers have to do to replace Tony D'Angelo. Now, are the New York Rangers a better team without Tony D'Angelo? No. No, no, no. But they're serviceable. If you take Ryan Strom off this Rangers team, the offense falls apart. Like, it, it's crazy that Ryan Strom has become a linchpin for how this team works down the middle. I guess I just see but it. Yes. I, I'm looking two years ahead, and I don't think Strom is around two years from now. I don't know why. I don't why. think either of them are around two years ahead. Oh, man. We have, there's but so think, much change I think coming. For next, for next year, I think Ryan Strom is much more important than Tony D'Angelo. He fills a much bigger need for the New York Rangers. Tony's just has been such a driving force this entire year for the whole team. Like he's been, I as much as he is like the person we've discussed in the past on on the internet on the ice, he's an absolute dynamo of an offensive defensive player. And to have him come, have him even this week take the bad penalty, come out and score the goal immediately. He provides a lot of energy for this team. And yes. Without Strom, I don't. That puts Howden right back at third line center, right? If that's the case, and that's probably not something you want to be doing because we've watched Howden play third line center. But I just, I think I'd rather choose D'Angelo and try and figure out center in the future, because D'Angelo is younger. He has a, a better track record this year. He's been maybe the more impressive he has a player. Better, he has a better track record this year. Track. You understand that's oxymoron what you just said? Yes, I guess so. I, oxymoron is sort of my nickname. I think you know that. But uh, you could have you take out the oxy and you nailed it. I know. I, well, I, never mind. I wasn't gonna make that joke. Um, he's <laughs> he's dead now. Anyway, so my point is, uh, Tony's been a, the better player this year. I think he has more room to grow. Where I think, I guess I was gonna say we, we kind of know what Strom is, but Strom's also taken since these huge leaps these past two years since he's been a New York Ranger. So it's it's kind of hard to choose both. I'd love to keep both. It just financially, I don't think it happens. I think Ryan Strom is a New York Ranger for one more year. I think Tony D'Angelo is a New York Ranger for about four more months. Man. I truly believe that to be true. Because you, 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 want to know, you want to know the other reason why I think that's true? Why is that? Because you want to know who's going to make Ryan Strom more or less important to this team moving forward? The player who the Rangers acquire for Tony D'Angelo. Hmm. That's going to be a hockey trade. That's not going to be – the Rangers aren't going to trade Tony D'Angelo for first-round picks. The Rangers are going to trade Tony D'Angelo for center. It feels like the Rangers are kind of done and over with the trading for picks from all the rumors out there, which I guess we can get more. If you, by the way, uh, this is a nice time to plug our, yes, uh, our future. Yes, no, I, they're getting a they're going to they're going to get a first round back for Kreider. I I don't think you're going to get you, Chris Kreider at the deadline is not going to be a hockey trade. But this is another reason why I don't think the Rangers are going to make very many moves at the deadline because they're not in a mode where all they want to do is collect assets. Which, like I said. Georgiev, it sounds like they're going to get an NHL player back for. Uh, Kreider, I think, is the deal the Rangers will take the Kevin Hayes package for. And I really, like, 
Jesper Foss. Does it make sense to trade Jesper Foss? No. Not really. No, not really. Even if the Rangers don't sign him, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to trade Jesper Foss because I don't think Jesper Foss's market value is worth trading him for. Unless someone comes to you and blows you away with the Michael Grabner offer, like a second-round pick and a B-level prospect, I don't see the I don't see the purpose in trading Jesper Foss. If he walks as a free agent, he walks. But you want to talk about guys important to that locker room. I think Jesper Foss probably one of the most important players the Rangers have in that locker room. And I think if you can get him to sign for a reasonable extension, there's plenty of reason to keep him because, again, he's he's a guy you can play on any four of your lines and feel confident that by putting him in any of those lines, he's not going to necessarily hold your team back in any way, shape, or form. So, Just out of curiosity, what what do you think a team would offer for Jesper Fast? Because I said a fifth-round pick, and Drew flamed me. I, I think they could probably – I mean, they got a – they got a third for Nick Holden. It's hard for me to believe they could get anything. When you when you say that, it really makes me feel pretty bad about saying. Yeah, that. you should. Uh, you can take into account that he's also really not making any money. Um, I if you could, it's just not worth it. Like, I get the value of second round draft picks, but honestly, the Rangers will probably get a second round draft pick with whatever player they get for Georgiev. So, you don't need four second round picks next year. I'd rather just play the string out with Jesper Foss. If you can resign him, great. If you can't, well, that's okay too. Like he's, I understand that there's, you don't ever want to see an asset just walk out the door as a free agent. Never. But at some point, I I think Jesper Foss is the type of guy where I'm okay running. I'm okay with that one just running its course, whatever it is. Jesper's one of the only people I'd probably ever say that about. And you know how I feel about trading expiring assets i think he's worth more having him around for the rest of the year especially for the development of the team and somehow those couple months are worth keeping him if it's if you're only getting offers for a fourth or a third it's just not worth it if someone comes in for a second i think i do it but i don't think anyone's gonna offer a second round pick for Jesper fast i just don't think i don't see that happening i'm happy no. to eat my words but i don't see it happening yeah uh, but at, well i also am not the guy that would want to offer north of three million dollars for Jesper fast as an unrestricted free agent so like they, it's it's hard because I think some NHL team is going to give him a four year three million dollar annual salary contract. I I'd be surprised if he doesn't get that. Uh, so from that aspect, like, do I think the Rangers should resign Jesper Fast at that price? Hell no. Is it worth trading him at the deadline to avoid having that conversation? I really don't think so. I think I'd just roll the dice with them. Let's talk about uh, the three goalie dilemma currently and uh i guess we can then still, go to five still gonna questions. say it's still saying it's not a dilemma gonna go you're gonna go that far okay uh well henrik lundquist will have one start and i believe it's something like 22 days or some shit at this point i think his last start was at st louis and he's not gonna start again till after the all-star break because the next game is against well i guess he, there's a potentially he starts on tuesday against the islanders but do you see any chance no, georgia oh, was already it was already announced that's correct i saw that earlier my bad so there's no way he starts so that means He's going to start one time in the entire month of January, pretty much. Uh, I guess this all all changes if Georgiev gets traded in the next couple days or weeks. And we're going to be talking to Jace Bertle tomorrow of The Athletic. Uh, If you guys – that will come out Wednesday morning. Hopefully we'll have some more information on on that trade and the trade front for the New York Rangers then. But until then – I just don't see – I don't see it as a problem, but – and I, I'm just not really buying this whole 
the Rangers are trying. I saw you tweet about this earlier. The Rangers are trying to force their hand to, or to have Hank move his no move contract. It's just not happening. Like that's just not what's going down here. I think they explained to him, you know, like, hey, we have these two young goalies. We're probably trading one. And then once that girl is gone, you can have a, a ton of playing time again. And then he was like, yep, I understand. I want to stay here. I'm not going anywhere. And that's the whole deal. I, I don't see it as really a bad thing. I like Georgiev. He's been playing his ass off. I would like to keep Igor and him, but Hank's not going anywhere. He's just not. And I did read, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Gregory. Maybe you do know, maybe you don't know, because I haven't read much about the Seattle expansion draft yet. But Igor would be exempt. So say in a world where we Hank did leave the team, which does will not and has not and will not exist, as like I said, uh, Igor would be exempt. And we'd be able to protect both goalies. And I think that's some that's been an argument of like why you trade Georgia, but that argument doesn't work out. Yeah, I, I just the. The argument of saying, oh, the Rangers are just trying to frustrate Hank to get him to waive his no-trade clause. I don't ever want to hang out with those people that feel like someone should be doing that. Because you know how shitty of a human being you have to be to sit down and be like, first of all, to give a player a contract that you simply didn't have to give him if you didn't want to be put in this situation. Then you have the conversation with that player and you ask him what he wants to do. And you tell him if he wants to go because the next couple of years are going to be shitty, you will find a as well as good as well as you could find an ideal landing spot for that guy to go to. And then for that to happen in two years later, you're like, all right, well, now you're being an asshole that you don't want to be traded. So we're just going to sit you forever. And hopefully that pisses you off enough where you want to leave. Who? What? Why? Why? Who sense. thinks that way? Doesn't make Especially sense. what pro organization would think that way. No pro organization would think that way. You, If you're going to be that shitty to Henrik Lundqvist, what free agent are you going to be able to woo and say, no, no, we'll, we'll treat you differently? Bro, you ran over Henrik Lundqvist. One of, the, one of, if not the best player to ever play for your organization. You ran him out of town. What's to say I'm not next? You literally wouldn't be able to market yourself to free agents. And you're New York, it's, and I know that helps, but that doesn't – that is a – you've seen what happens to the Knicks. Come on, guys. As as a fan of the New York Mets, I can promise you being in New York does not help. Uh, it's it's not great. And then seriously, look look at the fucking Knicks. doesn't matter what they do. doesn't fucking work out for them. So for the people that – by the same guy. For the people that want to keep Igor and Georgiev, which is a reasonable want. I get it. You have two what you believe to be stud goaltenders. Some people around the league believe Georgiev is mostly a backup with maybe a higher ceiling. But we, we've we watched both of them, and they're both pretty fucking good. We, I think we can agree on that. I get why you'd want to keep both. That's logical to me. But here's what you have to factor in. You're not trading Hank. Here's where your options are with Hank. You can force him to do nothing because he has a no-move contract, and he's going to not – he doesn't want to move. He's already said that. Cool. You could buy him out. Could you imagine what the hysteria would be, Gregory, if the Rangers bought out Henrik Lundqvist? Well, well, just, it, it, the whole point of buying out Lundqvist is to be like, well, it's given over the keys to the young kids. Okay, but you're, you're literally cutting off your nose to spite your face there because now your team's over to young kids. You won't be able to supplant them with anything because you have no money to do anything. Yeah. For multiple years outside of just next year. So you're not buying them out. What are the other options? There's, those are the only two options. Am I missing one? Is it, yeah. No, it's it. This is 
it's not even to say this is the bed that the Rangers made because that that puts a negative spin on it. It's not the bed that the Rangers... The Rangers are in a great spot. They have two young goalies near the same age who both have incredibly bright futures. And that that's a great spot to be in. It's just... It's, it's, it's really the same conversation we're having about Tony D'Angelo except we're having it about Georgiev. It's just... Guys, when you have a surplus, you trade from your surplus to fill other needs in your organization. That's why if you're the New York Rangers and you have two other highly skilled high offensive defensemen who play on the right side, you start thinking about trading Tony D'Angelo. And that's why if you have two incredibly young goalies, while you still have twilight of his career, but still playing very well, Henrik Lundqvist, you think about trading one of those guys because you have other needs. We just went over this. If the New York Rangers lose Ryan Strom, they, they have two centers, two. Can't win with that. I don't care who you are. It, and one of them, Philip Hedl, is still incredibly young and raw in his own right. Yeah. Guys, a lot of learning in order learn. to get good players, you have to move good players. Your goal is to move good players where you can back up that loss with other good players for a position where you can't do that. It's it, None of us are saying Alex Georgiev is bad. None of us are saying that Tony D'Angelo on ice is god-awful. If anything, all we're saying is these guys are good enough where the New York Rangers could get pieces that will help them win a Stanley Cup because they're a little superfluous. It's it's that simple, guys. We're not we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're just trying to more equally distribute the assets in which we have. Rangers got a oh. lot of young defensemen. Sorry for the honking Rangers in the background. Got, Rangers got a lot of young defensemen, and Rangers got two young goalies. Take those surpluses and move them for a position where you desperately need depth, which is wing and center. We're, we're, none of us are saying that I, I love sports fans. It's not just Ranger fans. It's all sports fans. It's all of us. Because sports fans will look at the players they hate on their roster and say, trade that guy. He sucks. Bring in someone good to fill his need. You can't trade shitty players. Like, I'm sorry. This isn't, you can't force trades like you can in NHL 20. You're not going to turn Mark Stahl in the fucking Eric Carlson. Ain't happening. The only way you get good players in is if you send good pieces out. That's just how it works. And if you're the New York Mets, the only way you get shitty players in is if you send really good prospects out. So it almost works for the Mets, just in reverse. I kind of feel that way about Buchnevich, too, where everyone is like, get this guy out of here. Like, for what? For what? I, I, I'm fr- Dude, I'm so tired of the Buchnevich hate. And I know Fitz does it kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's pretty funny. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> 70% of it is him being serious, but the last 30%... Is just to emphasize how ridiculous the conversation is about Pavel Buchnevich. That dude is on pace for about 47 points this year. All right. That dude through his uh, – Tom Ertz had a really good I saw the, side-by-side I saw, with Chris Kreider. I saw Rick Carpinello uh, responded, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, but it's like they've had identical starts to their careers, but since Chris Kreider literally runs around with reckless abandon, he's viewed more positively – than Pavel Buchnevich, even though they're producing at literally the exact same pace. At, at, it's, at the respect of ages, yeah. correct. I get it. Pavel Buchnevich is not going to be a 30-point scorer. There's a lot of value in guys scoring 45 to 50 points a year. Also, And if that guy's going to live in your top nine, you could do worse. You know how I know you could do worse? Because the New York Rangers, historically, have done worse. The I get the other thing that I think bothers people with Buchnevich is he always has that sort of pouty face on. And I think that's what really puts people off on him. I really, I think that's the number one thing. But we'll we'll see what happens with Bujdevich this week, and if he uh, 
gets back up to the top line situation. I'm, I'm not sure he'll be playing on the fourth, or if he's he might still be sick. I know he was sick and injured, so I don't know. I'm gonna give us a benefit of the doubt in this situation. The the we've we've complained in the past about Avian Quinn having excuses and then not using those excuses when it comes to players. For the first time, what feels like forever, David Quinn was like, Booch, Booch is under the weather. He missed a lot of practice. He obviously is still playing a little sick. This wasn't so much a punishment as it was just trying to get a guy who clearly isn't at 100% out of some high leverage situations in a close game. Like that, those kind of demotions, I have all the time in the world for. If you're sick, if you're not playing well in that moment, go for it. Just say what it is. Don't say it's performance. Like, Say it's performance-based, but not like, oh, Booch stinks. That's why I moved him down to the fourth line. No, he's sick, and he's now 100%. And in a 1-1 game against a playoff team, you kind of need guys at 100%. It so makes it's... sense. You know what? It makes sense. And how often could you say that in, in sports? Not that, I don't often. Know. Let's, not that often. Let's go to five-star questions, and then we'll uh, get to our interview with EJ Johnston. Five-star questions. You want to leave five-star questions, go to iTunes, search Blue Shirts Breakaway, leave a five-star question. We read them on the show. That's how it works. We do it every week. First question is from Rory Langers, our, uh, our, our friend from Great Britain and frequent commenter. Hey, guys, I was listening to the 31 Thoughts podcast. Oh, we talked about this already. And Elliot, not Andrew, said he got the feeling the Rangers are considering keeping and extending Chris Kreider. Just wanted you to know that your thoughts, and do you think this is detrimental to the rebuild? Like, we kind of talked about this already, right? I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's it, posturing. I, the New York Rangers are not actually – thinking about this again this is this is ripped right from the jeff gordon playbook we've seen it ripped from that playbook so many times i don't know how many times you need to see it ripped from the playbook to understand that this is just a ploy the rangers make now could the rangers make me eat my words sure i would love the first time it's not gonna be the last either because the rangers will make our make us eat our words a lot more times in the future because sometimes what's what's logical isn't what happens the chances of the new york rangers extending chris Kreider is five percent now maybe maybe the new york rangers i i think this would be a critical mistake but if the new york rangers want to pull a page out of the columbus blue jackets book where instead of selling off they just keep all their pieces and go try to push for a playoff spot i think that would be incredibly reckless because this team just isn't good enough they're eight points back of the flyers currently even with two games in hand that is a huge huge margin to make up at this point in the season playing the way the Rangers play uh if they want to roll the dice and just go for it and then if they lose guys they lose guys I respect that move for some teams I just think I I would hope the New York Rangers are smart enough to realize their team flat out just isn't good enough like we can talk about how well the Rangers played defensively yesterday against the Blue Jackets and we can talk about how the New York Rangers offense will take a significant hit if they no longer have Chris Kreider this is a team that still only scored one goal against the Columbus Blue Jackets' backup goalie. Oh, I get it that is, people it have his first hit. start ever. Yeah, I just look. The New York Rangers, as currently constructed, don't have enough offense, and that includes the ridiculous season Artemi Panarin is having, and that includes the ridiculous point production they're getting from their defensemen, and that includes the run that Mika Zibanejad is currently on. They still don't have enough, and. They're not going to get enough by just keeping Chris Kreider. So I, I just, I hope, and we have every bit of evidence to suggest Jeff Gorton is smart enough to know that he doesn't have it this year. Uh, I'd be stunned if they extended Chris Kreider. Same. Legitimately stunned. 
Uh, this question is from Lightning Fire Ninety. Hi guys, I was listening to the podcast, and please keep up the great work. We will do our best. My question for you guys is about D'Angelo. While watching the Rangers give the Islanders a good beating at the Garden, I overheard Joe Micheletti, who by the way has been very fiery lately, uh, telling Sam Rosen about Tony's offensive abilities and how, when he was younger, his old coach would had him playing forward during the third period. I don't know if you guys caught that. I see Tony D'Angelo as part of the organization's future, but with the surplus of right-handed defensemen in the system, would you consider making Tony a winger? To help solve our lack of depth of the wing problem. And also solving our abundance of right-handed defensemen in our system. That's from Paul. Oh, we talked about this before. This, the simple way to fix, or quote-unquote fix, what the Rangers are doing, just put him on his offhand. Like, there's, there is, again, there is no law that says the right-handed defensemen have to play on the right side. Just put Tony in the top six and play either Tony or Adam Fox on their offhand. That's all you have to do. That's it. Then you have a solid top four. Shea Truba, Fox D'Angelo. That's a really good top four. It's just for whatever reason, the Rangers are dead set against doing that. And it's it's frustrating as hell. It really is. Like, Tony D'Angelo, I, Tony D'Angelo could very easily, like, you want, be part of the New York Rangers' future for the foreseeable future. They could extend him this offseason to a team-friendly contract. That's great and good. It's just, why extend a guy if you're not going to use him properly is really what it comes down to. He should be in the Rangers' top four. He's good enough right now to be in the Rangers' top four. And for, just because he's right-handed, the New York Rangers are either going to keep him down or e even more catastrophically keep Adam Fox's minutes down. It's nuts. The Rangers don't have to make Tony D'Angelo a forward to get maximum value out of Tony D'Angelo. They just have to play him in the top four and put one of their three right-handed defensemen on their offhand. That's it. This is so, so low-level bit of managing that they have to do. And... We've seen it at times that they're willing to do it, but it seems they're only willing to do it in order to send a message to someone else. Just play your best players. This isn't that hard. That's all you really have to do to win in the NHL. Play your best players more often than your less good players. That's it. When I used That's to play it. card games, sometimes we would just say, just play the good cards, and then you'll win. So it's That's very, it. very similar. Um, it's, it's, why, it's why you push more chips into the pot when you have king – pair of kings then you do pair of sevens just play your good hands i don't know how this happened but the next question literally says five star questions more tony d'angelo <laughs> that's um, this that's, is, people think we people think we hate tony d'angelo i don't he's an asshole all right we've been over we've this been, we've gone he's on this an asshole i'm an asshole you're I can't an asshole believe, everybody's an asshole we started this podcast by talking about roger clevin sleeping with a 15 year old country star yeah i still can't that, get over like, that tony d'angelo doesn't do that i don't think no I don't want. I'm not going to put that out in the universe. No, no, we're not doing that. Um, but I just look. Tony D'Angelo could be very valuable for the New York Rangers, but unless they're going to maximize that value, you have to maximize his value somewhere, either on the ice by playing him in the top four consistently, or by trade by moving Tony D'Angelo for a piece you desperately need. That's it. Let's. Uh, that's that's the Tony D'Angelo conversation. Well, we're going to have a little more here because we have another question about D'Angelo because that's what people want to talk about. Yeah, okay. Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to keep it short for this one. This is from Zabana Bread, and at the end of his question, or her question, she says, I sensed a little bit of shade from you, Ryan, when you read my handle last time. What gives? I have no shade against Zabana Bread. I think it's good. There you go. I probably couldn't read, and I was – it sounded like I was angry, but I just can't read, okay? That's what happened. Uh, it says, uh, I know you t last week you talked about TDA being – I know it's not TDA, but they wrote TDA. I'm sorry. 
Uh, Tony D'Angelo being a very good defenseman, an offensive defenseman, but what if he was just 5% better defensively? Then the conversation will be a little different. We, ha- we are now having trade extension slash extension conversations with Tony D'Angelo. We have more evidence that Lindy Ruff's system is, has been the common denominator of players' negative time on Broadway, a.k.a. their, their downtime playing in defensive zones. At what point do we consider Tony D'Angelo's defensive zones are uh, defensive woes, rather, are system-based? And that perhaps his elite defenseman waiting around game, and uh, it's pretty. He pretty much goes on to say that is is it Lindy Ruff's fault that it is uh, causing Tony D'Angelo to be a bad defenseman? In this case, no, I don't think we, so. We have we have a lot of evidence from other organizations where Tony was a, Tony wasn't this good offensively, but it was still creating offense from the blue line in uh, juniors in Arizona, even his brief time. In Tampa Bay, he's always been a guy that is able to create offense despite his defensive prowess. Now, the real question that was going to make or break Tony D'Angelo's career was, was he ever going to create enough offense to make up for his lack of defensive zone awareness? So far, yes. Uh, Yeah, he's answered that pretty emphatically this year. And he's also proven that if you just if you put him with someone a little bit more defensive aware. It's not that big. It's, it's still not great, but it's not going to cost you more games than it will get you wins by creating more offense. He can be a piece to a truly playoff caliber hockey team. Like Tony D'Angelo isn't just a guy on a bad team that is putting up numbers. I think Tony D'Angelo has proven he can be a guy, a factor on a really good hockey team. He could basically be a version of Kevin Shattenkirk was for the blues and the capitals. That's the kind of guy he has. That's how good his offensive game is. It doesn't excuse his lack of defensive zone awareness. It doesn't fully make up for his lack of defensive zone awareness. It's just the question that has always followed Tony D'Angelo was, will he ever produce enough offensively to make up for his shortcomings defensively? He seems to be doing that this year. And again, if the Rangers just played him or used him differently, this is a guy that New York Rangers not necessarily could build around, but could definitely build with. Um, but until the New York Rangers do that, I, I, I just think he's superfluous. That's a lot I of, really do. A lot of Tony D'Angelo we just talked. I think that's the, the, the end of it. Okay, next question from Lindy's Ruff, who seems to comment every single week. I have three thoughts and questions. First, Greg, that press conference is bringing my childhood interest in the Mets back, and for that, I hate you. Ah, uh, yeah, no, run, run. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, the Mets, that is. Not I, your video. You know what the sad thing is? I don't have enough Rangers swag laying around my house <laughs> to really be able to do that if the Rangers do something. We can figure it out. Someone will, someone will send you swag for that. Uh, second, I have a long drive back to school, and I re-listened to the MomCast. Have you guys considered doing that again? Maybe we'll do it for Mother's Day this year. I'm not against it. Could be fun. Revisit. That reminds me that I can't. I don't, I don't know if I've even – it is June 20th. I don't know if I've called my parents this year. I called them – First of all, it's January 20th. January 20th. Uh, <laughs> I called them on New Year's – either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. I've talked to them then. I don't call my parents that much. I'm probably a bad son. I don't know. I text my dad here and there. Like, the whole Mets shit that went down. Yeah. 
Oh, we haven't. I haven't mentioned the name Carlos Beltran once. Pretty on good by you. Well, we kind of got. Yeah, it out well, I, I got busy. You know, I was talking about Roger Clemens sleeping with fifteen-year-olds. It really distracted <laughs> oh me. Bush's breakaway for the Atlantic. Uh, last question from Lindy's Rough. What on God's green earth do we do with Jesper Fast? We talked about that. Uh, I'm again. Yeah. I'm. I'm again worried. Yeah. He's pricing us out. Or pricing us out because every time he steps in the ice, he does something so incredibly valuable. Whether it's the PK, the forecheck, etc. I don't believe. Uh, I think we're gonna let Fast walk. I think that's just simply what's gonna happen. I don't know if it's a guarantee that he walks. I just, it's a guarantee he's going to get a raise. It's a guarantee the New York Rangers won't get enough for him before the trade deadline to justify trading him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm nervous about giving Jesper anything north of $3 million a year. And I, all I'm going to say is if there are people out there that want to extend both Kreider and Faust, you're kissing everybody else goodbye, right? Like everybody. you're not just kissing Benedek goodbye. You're kissing Georgiev and D'Angelo goodbye as well. You can't pay the the hard reality is in the salary cap world that we live in, you just can't pay everybody. And it's a so hard your, cap, like the hardest of caps in all sports. Pick, pick your poisons. That's all I'm saying. Understand that there there are always going to be contracts that need to come up down the road. All right? There will be people you can't pay all the time. So just pick your poisons, people. I'm choosing to pick Mika Zibanejad. If you want to choose Chris Kreider, that's on you. Just understand that you're giving up Mika Zibanejad to make it happen. This next question, uh, it says five-star quesh. This is from funny and smart dot, 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 ellipses. Also dumb. Hey, guys. Great podcast. I have a dumb question for you. No such thing. If you score a fourth goal, do you still have a hat trick? Is it a four-bagger? Is it like bowling when you have a turkey, but a four-strike is a hand bone, <laughs> thus rendering the turkey obsolete? This is weighing on me. I feel like a hat trick with a three-goal games, but if you have a four-goal game, it's you have to sig- signify that accomplishment. I don't know. That's how they well, do. well, Joe Thornton's on record saying if he scores four goals in a game, he's whipping his dick out. I call so it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to call it that. Let's just call it whip I'm, it out. Yeah, I'm going to call it a dick slap. That's all it is. I'm going I'm to go with the more PC version of whip it out. Nah, 2020. Fuck PC. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks, sponsors. All right, last question. This is from Nick DiPola. Is today a Roman day? Today's not a Roman day. God damn it. Free ad, though, for them. You know what's so funny? I thought about it earlier. I was like, kind of wish I had a Roman ad this week. Pretty fun. <laughs> Always thinking about being it. That's me, buddy. Uh, That's what happens when you get married. You just start thinking about. You start. You just start. You got to go the other start way. Thinking about, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're locked up. You got to go. What, what's What's out there for me now? Um, this is from Nick DiPolo. It's. Uh, I know it's early, and it probably depends on how the trade deadline goes. But what do you guys think the Raiders should do in the off season? Nothing. Uh, who should probably trade? Oh. A, probably trade a lot. Who should the team let walk yeah. slash try to trade? And are there any free agents you should target? Free agents wise, I don't think so currently. I think they won't sign anybody unless it's a low level. Um, I wouldn't want them to sign anyone, honestly. Same. Stay, like successful teams don't shop in the free agent market that much. I the the moves the Rangers should make are on the trade front because the players they need are not available via free agents. Absolutely. That's it. Uh, and if you go look at the 2016 free agent signings, have a good time. It's it's wonderful. A, uh, and who should they let walk? I think Jesper lets walk. I, maybe maybe they sign him to a reasonable deal. Maybe it's a little bit too much. I don't know. And the tr- try to trade, we kind of talked about that a lot this episode. But, Nick, I appreciate you writing in. Uh, any other things you want to get to before we get to EJ Johnston? Um, I'd act, I'd, I've come to terms with the fact that Luis Rojas or um, – Tony DeFrancesco is going to be oh, the Mets manager. manager. Yeah, I've come to terms with it. Well, they at least, you know, at least a bit Moji asked David Wright if he wanted to coach. That's good. Oh, John Heyman? Yeah. 
Do you, know, you see his response though? His response is great. David Wright is great. Yeah. Well, it turns out. Spoiler, like, I have spoiler. No By the way, full disclosure, I am coaching my three-year-old daughter's co-ed t-ball team, so I can't. Yeah, David Wright, uh, just, one of the most likable guys of all time, is great. Of all time. Of all time. <laughs> it's like former New York stars can go one of two ways, right? They can go the Derek Jeter route, where they become a team president and a colossal piece of shit, or they become David Wright, where they're just like memes of themselves. And they're like, yeah, you know, I can't, co- I can't be the manager of the New York Mets because I'm already a manager of my daughter's three-year-old D-ball team. Like, it's very cute. Th- that's it. That's it. All I right, love it. Let's go. David Wright forever. Let's get to EJ Johnson. Let's, uh, but before that, an ad. Transition. The stage is set. It's down to the best of the best. As we crown the football champion, don't miss out. Get in on all the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to get all of your big game bets in. Head to the app right now. Check it out and all they have to offer, including countless prop bets, countless, and football squares. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure and reliable betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And on top of that... DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign-up offer to date right now, and you do not want to miss it. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and now and use the code QUICK. That's right, QUICK. For a limited amount, for a limited time, all users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, that's code QUICK. QUICK. Q-U-I-C-K. QUICK. And get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be, 21 years or older, must be 21 years or older to apply New Jersey only. Bonus compromise on first deposit. Bonus and for a first bet match up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. Okay, today's guest, we have EJ Johnston. He is the CEO of 3Ice, and you can find out more information at 3Ice.com. And of course, in this interview, EJ, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, so just to, let's get straight to it. Three-on-three hockey has been a revolution for the NHL, and you decided that was so good you wanted to start a whole three-on-three hockey league, uh, something that some of us have been calling about for a while. How did this even get started, and what was your idea? What was the backstory for 3Ice? Yeah, you know, when the three-on-three format came into the NHL, um, before it happened, I was certainly a skeptic. But I would say, quite honestly, after the first or second game that I saw in overtime live, uh, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I thought it was fantastic. And so having those kinds of debates with my hockey buddies talking about, you know, what did you think? Is this real hockey? Is this something different? Is this something new? And, And the general consensus was just, wow. And so that sort of was the the genesis of it. I then went and sort of took some time, uh, spent uh, a lot of time at the Pittsburgh Penguins rookie camps, which they like to culminate with three-on-three tournaments. Uh, The Devils like to do the same thing, although they kind of run them differently. And uh, it really just seemed electric there. They were packing the buildings. They were feeding about two or 3,000 in each one of their facilities. The crowd was on the edge of their seats the entire time. And then as I was going to more and more hockey games, you get to the end of the game and you realize, geez, I hope it's going to go into overtime. If it's tied, everyone starts getting a little antsy and hopeful that no one scores and you get into that great action. And I think it's been validated. Um, it's a couple of weeks ago. If you saw the, the Winnipeg Toronto overtime, absolutely incredible. The two on O's, the great saves, the great goals. 
Um, it's been really, really great to watch and see it blossom. And yeah, we thought it was a great format for a full-time format. And your partial, partial reason for this, I'm assuming, is there always seems to be this void when we get to the summertime after the NHL draft and World Championships and Stanley Cup playoffs where there seems to be a real thirst for hockey and yet no one knows where to go to get it. So you're you're partially trying to fill that void, right? Yeah, you know, I've been spoiled as a Pittsburgh Penguin fan. We've had a lot of success. So our off seasons are quite short. But the rest of the teams, the half the league, your season has a six-month gap. And so there's a real desire for that hockey. And if you get eliminated in the first round or if you know you're really not going anywhere, you might even check out sooner than that. So to bring something in that off season, I thought was solving a need uh, from a hockey fan standpoint, but also then from a summertime entertainment standpoint, there's really not a tremendous amount of content on TV. If you're not a baseball or golf fan, I happen to be both, but if you're not either one of those, it's very thin for uh, entertainment options uh, in the summertime. And then we just thought, what a great way to have more hockey. Um, I still play twice a week. I talk a ton of hockey. I drive my girlfriend crazy with the amount of hockey I watch and talk about. Uh, so I am the target audience, but we also think that casual entertainment fan and that curiosity is going to kill the cat fan. So is going to come along and say, what is this? The same way that I would do something like um, the Professional Bull Riders Association uh, and checking out that. I don't know anything about Cowboys, but I'd go there. I was entertained. It was a great evening. The price point was right. And so we think that's kind of our third tier of folks that we might be able to attract with Three Ice. Well, you're already on the right track. You're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, so you're just used to winning. So congratulations. <laughs> You've got that on, on that started. How can people end up watching the three-on-three hockey? Because most of the time it's accessibility. Uh, is it going to be online? Is it going to be on TV? Or is it going to be both? What's the, uh, the avenue that you're taking in this case? Yeah, we are uh, very fortunate that we have partners in CBS and PSN and RDS um, up in Canada that got it right away. Uh, we went over to see the folks at CBS, DSN, and RDS uh, well over a year ago. And immediately in the first meeting, uh, they all got it. They all understood it. And they were all very eager to put something together. So we're excited to have those as partners on both the digital and linear side. The PSN is Canada English. RDS is French-speaking Canada. And, of course, CBS is across the United States. That's awesome. Is there going to be a digital? Uh, like, Are these all going to have streams, too? Because I feel like a lot of your fans... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with like twitch.tv where people watch people play video games. And I think the, uh, the WBA is now on Twitter. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that, but those are just so much more accessible for the, the, I guess the quote unquote millennial crowd, or is it just going to be strictly on the, the TV channels? Yeah, no, we, uh, we did a deep dive in all those groups. So they have both our digital and our linear rights. And there's a whole host of supplemental content that we want to try and bring to those folks as well. Uh, one of the things that we try and talk about is sort of creating the biggest locker room in the world. We want to have fans come under the tent, be part of the equation, have the most access they've ever had. So whether that's content about the locker room, um, the, the draft, uh, what's going on with our players from a social media standpoint. But then as you engage at the next level in the live experience, we also want fans to have the ability to chime in on our second round matchups or which goalie should come in if there's an injury and they got to pull somebody off the bench or maybe even chime in on a goal dispute. You know, we won't have quote unquote Toronto reviewing our goals. We'll have referees with digital um, notepads. But if the fans want to chime in and say, I think that was a goal, we'll throw it on the app. We'll throw it on the Jumbotron and see what the fans think. And we'll have uh, a little fun playing with that. That's awesome. So um, they have digital and linear rights and access is going to be the, the rule of the day with three 
how how are you guys planning on selling this to players? Do you want to market this as a developmental league like the NBA does with their summer league work? Do you want it to be more backyard style, keep in shape, pickup game aspect for NHL players? What what's the what's the type of pitch you're making to say a third liner for the New York Rangers who's looking to keep playing hockey through the offseason? Yeah, so our guys are going to be ex-NHLers, so they'll be known under current NHL contracts. Our guy I like to refer to as a, affectionately as a water bug. The specific guy I like to talk about a lot is a guy like Connor Sheary. He played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's five foot eight, five foot nine, great hands, great speed, a lot of creativity, but he's on the third or fourth line, and he's getting between 11 and, let's say, 14 minutes a night. But he's that first guy over the boards in the overtime. And I know two years ago, I think he had 14 or 15 goals, but four or five of those were in the overtime session. I know that because he had two against my Penguins, which was was tough to uh, swallow. But um, that's our guy. He's 26, 27, 28. As you guys know, the average career is about three to four years long. He's coming to the league at 22 or 23. He's played his 150 to 300 games. And there's just not enough three-on-three open ice for a guy like that to create him uh, have his creative expression so he's got to go in the corner and bang against those six foot five monsters and the nhl eventually is going to stop asking him to come back he's our guy he can either take a look at going over to europe or stay in north america and uh play at a high level be relevant and actually get those creative juices flowing um and express himself in ways that he just really can't do in the five on five format so that's our guy how does the format work? So obviously five minutes, I, I feel personally, and I'm sure you feel the same way, five minutes of overtime is just not enough in the NHL for 3v3 hockey. I'm assuming that was part, Absolutely. Of, part of the reason you started the three ice league. How does the format work for your league? Because, well, uh, an hour of 3v3s does sound exhausting for a team. So what, what is exactly the, <laughs> sure. uh, the, the format for that? Yeah, so we are an team league, and we have a touring model. So just like the PGA Tour or Formula One, We'll go from city to city, and all of our teams will descend upon a single city, and all of them will play that night. The first round, all eight teams will play in four games. Those four winners will advance to play in two semifinal games. Those two winners will advance to play in the single championship game. And each one of our games is 16 minutes long, two eight-minute periods of running clock. So the first round is four games, second to two. The last one is one. You've got seven games. Each 16 minutes, that's 112 minutes of hockey, and that'll be spread out of, of course, of about a three-hour evening. Our broadcast will be three and a half hours on CBS Sports and TSN and RDS, and then our championship will be on CBS proper, and that'll be a two-hour broadcast because our regular season is eight weeks long, and only our top four teams will advance to the championship, and that'll be two semifinal games, a consolation game, and a championship game to crown the season winner. Oh, now, now, now we're talking because so, – so you're saying every single time I watch Three Ice, it's pretty much I'm watching a full tournament? That's right. That, it's seven games, ooh. bracket style, rinse and repeat. You have that first game, boom, we go again. Really, only thing that we're breaking for is to scrape and to Zamboni after every two games. So it is back-to-back, nonstop action. Honestly, my, my intriguement – just that's not a word, but the level of <laughs> – the level of intrigue oh, – the level of intrigue I have just went up a tremendous amount uh, because that's good. that sounds like a great night of where you're just going out and you're like, hey, I got to watch three hours of awesome fast-paced hockey. Well, how do the teams work? So you said eight teams, but are they like New York, uh, California, or is it just team names that uh, that GMs make up, or how does that all work? 
Yeah, so we're going to try and capitalize on what we think is the growing trend uh, and we think it's going to continue, which is based on sports betting and fantasy. You have a lot more people following players specifically rather than teams. You're always going to have that fan base, local geography, loyalty. I'm always going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin fan, but when I'm watching, I also pay attention to what Ovi did and what Kane did and what Sam Coast did. And if Lundqvist is still going to be, you know, in the rotation, I'm just checking all that stuff out. I follow players. We think our fan is going to come one for the great action to start to see stars emerge. Somebody's going to be a leading scorer in this league. Somebody's going to be the best goalie in this league. So we're looking for those fans or those players to emerge and fans to start following them. But we have a very unique model in the sense that our teams are going to be named after sponsors. So just like Formula One, where you've got Team Ferrari, Team McLaren, or Team Rocket, we're going to have, for sake of argument, Team Samsung, Team Ford, Team Verizon, Team Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, none of those deals are closed. That's just hypothetical. Mm -hmm. But that's what our teams will be. And they'll be competing uh, and offering, I think, the best hockey uh, and sort of geography agnostic. And we don't really necessarily need to have that local connection. We just want fast hockey and great players doing great things. Uh, if you ever get a uh, a team athletic, I demand to be the head coach. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Yeah, we got, we got I'm, I'm calling dibs right now. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll introduce you to my sponsorship, guys. I can have them call you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, um, you, you've mentioned it at least three times, so now we have to go in on it. Your Pittsburgh Penguins fandom. Uh, yep. Tell us, how hard is your life? Why is it so easy? And how can we get some of that? Well, you know, we've been spoiled. Um, you could make the case that Pittsburgh has had the best player in hockey since 1984. So you have Mario come in. He does what he does for well over a decade. Yager and him overlap. And then you had a, uh, an overlap with Sidney and, and Mario when he came back. And Malkin comes on board. And so between those four guys, I don't know how many league MVPs, scoring championships. And, uh, you know, I know we've got four Stanley Cups um, or four, four visits, three victories in that window. It's um, it's been very special. Um my dad was coached for a long, a lot of that time. And so I sort of lived and died with their uh, ups and downs. But uh, just generally speaking, we've been very spoiled. World-class players, world-class goalies. I mean, even today, guys like Chris Letang and Matt Murray, who's starting to have a resurgence again, uh, we've just been spoiled. And we might be playing some of the best hockey. Uh, Mike Sullivan, in my opinion, has to be considered for coach of the year. I'd also like to see uh, Ricky Cockett be in that conversation. Um, but it's been uh, it's been a nice ride, and yeah, we are spoiled. I feel like I just got high sticked. It's really a miserable feeling. Um, have you? I know Tanner Glass works for the New York Rangers. Have you reached out to him about playing? Uh, we haven't. Um, we're going to start those conversations probably in the second half of this year. Our training camp is going to be in February of 2021 because we dropped puck in June 2021. Uh, but we've had dialogue ongoing with most of the major sports agents uh, in the hockey space. Uh, they're all excited about this. They all think they've got a handful of great players that are going to be very, very interested in this thing. We'll invite about 120 to those players to camp. And each one of our rosters will end up having six skaters, plus a goalie, plus a coach. If you've got seven hockey players on each team times eight, that's 56 total players. We're also going to have two goalies that dress on each bench. In case there's an injury right away, we can substitute that goalie in. Again, we'll let the fans pick that. And then we'll have between five and 15 players that travel with uh, the entire uh, free ice contingent uh, in case there's injuries or someone has an emergency in the family, let's say one of their wife, their wife gives birth. So we want to make sure that we're covered on that basis as well. So we'll have about 70 total players 
and training camp is going to be a, uh, a wild, wild experience. We're going to basically replicate four tour stops in two days uh, at a location that we're looking to pick uh, probably in the next month. And it's going to be actually a great experience um, just to go to that. My, well, oh, man. I, I guess my heart, my heart already breaks for the goalie that doesn't get voted I in know, by Sam. the fans. If, if there's an injury, <laughs> that poor guy, you said, uh, well, you said your season, ahead, you, you said your season was eight weeks, right? Um, have you eight weeks for the regular season and one week for our championship. So nine weeks total. And you, you're going to travel to different cities. Have those cities been picked yet? Or are you still working on the tour dates? We're still working on it. We got a great partner in SM Global. They're the uh, number one player in arena management and or ownership. And so we've got a little bit of science, a little bit of alchemy, and a little bit of fans uh, that are going to chime in and be that formula. Um, so uh, there's a whole bunch of markets that will either be NHL, AHL, or what I'm calling hockey-hungry markets, and I'll define that in a sec. But we think between the expertise that ASM brings to the table – uh, where we know there's really great hockey markets. And then we're actually going to invite the fans to help us pick our cities. It's going to be a fun process that we're going to actually have very, very public uh, and share our progress on each one of those and eventually name each city. Um, but the uh, the fan component will be interesting. Within our marketing campaign, you're going to see us open that up pretty quickly. Um, the markets that we're looking at, you know, it's about 15 to 20 of them at this point. Um, they could be places like Cleveland, Pittsburgh, um, Winnipeg, Halifax, Quebec City, Montreal, uh, Providence. Uh, there's a great mix of NHL, AHL, and those hockey-hungry markets like like Halifax and Quebec City. Montreal sounds like an amazing time to watch three and a half hours of three-on-three three hockey. That sounds like a perfect <laughs> night in Montreal. Um, so Yeah, let, I agree. Let me ask you, so you're obviously the CEO of this. What were you doing before Three Ice, and what made you have the change? Yeah, so um, I think my entire career has been sort of uh, a prologue up to this point. Um, I started out in advertising um, right after graduating from Penn State. was up there in Boston working uh, in marketing for a while. Then I jumped to the other side of the desk and I started selling media for Fox Sports before coming down to New York. Got hired by IMG, the big sports marketing group. Actually uh, oversaw Fashion Week from a sales and marketing standpoint there for a long time. And then one of my clients, Getty Images, hired me away. Uh, I built out an entertainment division for those guys before going out to Hollywood and making TV shows. Um, it's kind of a, uh, seems like an, an uh, anomaly, but I made Fashion Star on NBC, which is a little bit like Shark Tank with fashion designers and uh, stores. And uh, so it's kind of all these different hats over about a 20 year run where it's media, it's sales, it's marketing, um, it's sports, and it all sort of comes together in this perfect confection of uh what my personal passion is, which is hockey. Um, so it's nice that I'm able to sort of arrive at this point in my career. EJ, just let me get this straight real quick. You've had a tremendous career. You've won three Stanley Cups, and you're starting a hockey league. <laughs> Greg and I host a podcast from our bedrooms. I appreciate you so much coming on. <laughs> um, uh, well, EJ, before, before we do let you go now, uh, before we started recording, you teased us with a factoid that your dad – was roommates with John Davidson when they were both playing in St. Louis, if I have that That's correct? Right. That's right. They were roommates in 1974-75. My dad at the end of his career, and John, I think, was his second year, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they became really good buddies. And um, John's uh, always been great uh, to my dad. They've been buddies for a long time. And so I thought that'd be an interesting way to sort of connect the dots. Put, put yourself in your dad's shoes for a second. How, okay. how would he handle being part of a three goalie tandem 
in the NHL. Ah, it's interesting. So he's really the last two goalie tandem to win a Stanley Cup. Um, him and Jerry Cheevers in uh, 69-70 and 71-72. It really hasn't happened. I think maybe Montreal uh, a long time ago sort of dabbled in it. A three-goalie rotation. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes the the goalies tend to bond. Um, they tend to push each other. It can either become a bitter rivalry or where they start to become each other's cheerleaders. And I think you saw a little bit of that in Pittsburgh with Matt Murray and uh, Flurry. That was a nice thing. It was really actually wonderful for the team. The fans and everybody in Pittsburgh recognized it. Three, um, that's a new dynamic. I really couldn't tell you. Uh, I will ask him, and I promise I'll get back to you. Wow. Okay. EJ, thank you so much for coming on. This is awesome. I'm super interested in watching three-on-three hockey, and uh, the tournament idea is brilliant. Uh, so I appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate that. Uh, Greg, any final questions before we get out of here? Uh, well, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the league, where they can start uh, start getting excited about this as much as we are. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Uh, our website is 3ice.com. It's three like the number, I-C-E. Uh, we're all, all over social media, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram. And uh, in about the next four or five weeks, you're going to see a, a pretty significant marketing campaign from us break to sort of invite fans into the mix. We sort of announced ourselves to the media, and now it's time to announce ourselves to the fan base. So uh, look for that. It's going to be, um, I think, quite funny. And I'll, uh, I'll share some of that with you guys uh, when we're ready to break it. Awesome. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a world we live in where TikTok was the first thing you mentioned as where people I know. You. We're so old. It's crazy. <laughs> classic, classic 30-year-olds. EJ, if you ever need any help, let us know. But thank you for so much for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Thank you. Have a great night. And that was a great interview with EJ Johnson. Greg, uh, I guess this is the time of the show where we thank everyone. And uh, I want to thank Ben Weber. I want to thank uh, I want to thank Benjamin Waters. I want to thank Eric Stogg, who has been – who is who Michael climbing with in Cincinnati eventually. Who knows? Uh, Tory from Manhattan and uh, I, I believe Thomas O'Neill and some other fans of ours. I want to thank everyone so much for yeah, – I got I to gotta, I gotta give a shout-out to my guy uh, Pete Waters. I went – I made a drunken – a drunken agreement with him. You did what? One night. I oh, this is, what this is why you went to Hartford? No, I didn't even go to Hartford, dude. I went to fucking Scranton. I went to Wilkes-Barre down in Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, what? You know, there's a city in Pennsylvania called Forty Fort. F-O-R-T-Y did you, hyphen F-O-R-T. Did you kill a buck and try to trade it for 20 pizzas? I didn't. I wasn't uh, that far into Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, but shout out, shout out Pete. was a really fun game despite the fact that the Wolfpack lost 3 nothing and was – there's a – there's a guy on the Wilkes-Barre Penguins, Ryan, where his last name, I'm going to spell it out for you. Okay. And then I want you to, I want you to try and pronounce I'm it. I'm going to type it down. All right. I, I am not, I am not leaving out any letters. You know what? I'm, I'll text it to you. No, I have it right here. You can just spell it. I'll, I'll, I'll write it. No, no. I think, I think it's better if I text it to you. Okay. You, I have you already pulled up. This is legit. I'm not, no bullshit. This is the guy's last name. I left out no <laughs> letters in the is his name F? It, right? F it's A B A B T. His last name is spelled A B T. F Alpha Alpha Beta Tom. Yeah. F. Uh like we, we were the entire game we're thinking, <laughs> all right, one of these letters has to be like silent. Yeah. Is it the B? Mm-hmm. And we, we came to the conclusion that of the silent letters, it's gotta be the A, because of course it would be. So it's probably like Bate somehow. But ABT is his last name. 
All right, awesome. Um, I, I just don't know how that I happens. Don't, I, did like, they say I, it? Did he do anything? No, he did nothing. Uh, we'll that see. we were really hoping he'd score a goal so they could be like, goal scored by number 44, yeah. Pierre Jonathan. Okay. Um, but no, that didn't piece of shit. Anything else you want to plug this week? Uh, we're going to have Jace Bertle on the show, which is going to be awesome. Uh, it's going to be on the main feed. It's usually in our OT, but we're going to put it on a Wednesday morning. Um, I'm going to be doing a, a post-game show on against, uh, against after the Islander game on Tuesday. If Gregory, if you want to stop by, you are invited. Um, uh, I'm working. Oh, you're working I got to work. Okay. Yeah, that's why we're doing the interview in the morning, bro. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, but if you want to do that, I'm going to have a link on my Twitter. Uh, just pretty much join the Discord and come talk Ranger Hockey with me after the Islander game. And uh, I think that's it for this week. Anything else going on? Um... Let's see. What's going on in the world? What's going on in the world? What's hey, going on in the world? Hey, uh, music. Actually, one, one more. Oh, my God. One more question before we go, because I'm kind of curious. Uh, How okay. did you do in the prop bets? Yesterday, I did really well. I think I went. Uh, let's. I won all four of my bets in the Niners Packers game. I had Niners minus six and a half. Of course, it's not a prop. Mm-hmm. Uh, over 43 and a half. I the, had the Mahomes run one was money for you. Money. Right. I had. Mahomes, 18 and a half. I also had Mahomes over one and a half touchdowns. Easy. Uh, next week, I'll have a better idea what I'm doing for the Super Bowl. But it's it's all about understanding what the trend is in the game and then going with that. So, like, the Niner-Packer game could not have gone more perfect for me where I wanted the Niners to get out to a big lead early because then it would force Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball nonstop, which is why I took Rodgers over 21 and a half completions. Um, my The favorite – the bet I know I like the most right now is – uh, usually I make a bet every year on how many different players on one team will have a carry. I like the Niners over already, as long as it's not five and a half. If it's four and a half, I love it. If it's five and a half, I got to think about it. Um, the first player to score a touchdown is going to be tricky, but for some reason, I think Kendrick Bourne might be the guy <laughs> Wow, a it's just the, that stands out in my head. Yeah. The Niners love using him. Here's the thing. It's just understanding the situation, right? If the Niners are going to throw the ball in the red zone, they don't usually target the, – the other team expects them to target Kittle. I was going to say, Kittle it, is my is my option. Yeah, but the, Kendrick Bourne gets a lot of red zone targets, and I know his odds are going to be astronomical. So it would be, it'd be worth throwing a couple, a couple bills on Kendrick Bourne. The Chiefs one's nearly impossible, right? Oh, to try they, and figure they out all can score, score buddy. Everybody. Right. Like Tyreek Hill could score from the opponent's 80-yard line. Uh, McCole Hardman can return the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Damian Williams has been a touchdown monster. Mahomes could just, you Mahomes just could walk it in. Super easy. You, you, Mahomes could walk it in. Travis Kelsey is walk a – same, same shit that works with Kittle works with Kelsey. It, Watkins is probably the least likely, which makes him the most likely. It's The Chiefs, the Chiefs are a nightmare trying to figure out – who would score the first uh, touchdown. But if you wanted to do first touchdown of the game from the 49ers, all I'm saying is look at the odds of Kendrick Bourne. Think long and hard about it. I'm sure it's going to be tasty, and it's honestly a realistic option. If you want to follow us on Twitter, very easy. Uh, at Blue Shirts Break is Gregory, and I'm at OH Ryan Mead. That's it. That's the show this week. Looks forward to some more of your five-star questions, and if you ever want to talk to us, you know where to find us. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. 
offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.